Hello, everyone. 10th episode of the Weber 2.0 podcast. Uh, this is Milo Jindic, once again, your host today. Uh, Weber podcast is a special edition of European Talks, the podcast focusing on the EU integration in the Western Balkans. Uh, today, we have uh, in conversation with us, Ms. Timonida Kacarska. It's really a pleasure. Timonida is director of the uh, European Policy Institute in Skopje. Uh, European Policy Institute and uh, Simonida herself are longtime partners uh, and friends, shall I say, of uh, CEP and also EPI is founding member of our uh, joint team for Europe network, which exists for uh, several years now and we, we are implementing together um, a number of initiatives, Weber included. So uh, Simonida, welcome on board. It's a pleasure to have you. Hello. Uh, just a couple of words on Simonida's background if you don't mind, and please add anything that you want. Simonia holds a PhD in politics, international studies at the University of Leeds, master in European politics from the Sussex European Institute, but she has also uh, worked in the government, most notably Secretariat for European Affairs in the government of the Republic of Macedonia, was a research fellow with Central European University, uh, College of Europe, University of Oxford, and has also provided a number of uh, expert and consultancy services to different international organizations. So quite an experience in the different fields and especially related to political transformation of and European integration of the Western Balkans. Simonida, am I right about these facts of your background? Yep. Excellent. Uh, uh, for today, we have thought of uh, discussing the uh, so-called deliberative polling, a technique of involving citizens in uh, uh, decision-making, if you will. So, uh, as you know, we within Weber are uh, trying to increasingly focus on citizen consultations in our topic, public administration reform, to involve them, to hear their opinion, that their opinion matters, and to use this for, uh, for uh, improving administrations and for better, of course, uh, results and advocacy of our initiatives. Of course, we didn't come up to that point to uh, implement something like deliberative polling yet. But still, it th I think it's worthwhile discussing, especially since it, it is an uh, interesting uh, method. And uh, especially since you uh, in EPI have quite an experience in uh, implementing it. So, uh, and I think it's also even more interesting because it's uh, it's been uh, a re uh, since relatively recently discussed in our region, at least this is what is my uh, uh, take on this topic of deliberative polling. So for the start, but before I give you know the main floor to you, Simonida, let's uh, just say that deliberative polling, it's, uh, it's a method that tries to implement public opinion polls, right, in a new and uh, constructive and more useful way. Uh, what we know so far is that uh, there are three essential dimensions. First, implementation of the standard public opinion and poll and representative sample, right? Results are there. Then uh, from this representative sample, a sample of people who participated is targeted and engaged in uh, heavy deliberations and discussion and information sessions, right? So that they, that they have uh, more data, more information about the topic in hand. Afterwards, after the, 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 the deliberation, the opinion poll is uh, implemented once again. So the whole idea is that uh, resulting changes in the opinions after the opinion uh, first and the second opinion polls are conducted is uh, our conclusions that the public would reach if people had the opportunity to uh, 
become essentially uh, more informed because uh, as we all know plastic public opinion research means that you know people often uh, reflect superficially or uh, give the the surface opinion without uh, digging deeper if you will so this is just for a beginning and since you have uh, in the, in your institute implemented this deliber deliberate polling a couple of times I wanted to start by asking you uh, about the uh, general experience and impression. So maybe you can start with why implementing it, why did you do it, and uh, what was the main reason and driver, and uh, what are some of the key takeaways and lessons, because you already have uh, a body of experience in this, in this, implementing this method. So, Simonida. Thanks, uh, thanks Miloš, and thanks for the invite. Um, it's a topic I, I hold uh, dear at heart. Uh, we've uh, done, as an institute, EPI uh, implemented three times the deliberative polling method in North Macedonia with the support of uh, Stanford University, specifically the uh, Center for Deliberative Democracy uh, with Professor James Fishkin as the creator of the method and uh, with equal support from uh, Professor Alice Fishkin, who is uh, also who has assisted us in uh, this work in its proper implementation, uh, and have been kind enough to transfer a lot of knowledge to us to be able to to do this uh, properly. Uh, your um, the starting point of the method actually is that just as you said the 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 logic is that not everyone in the public knows details about many of the public policies that we as societies and as states engage with at a daily level, yet the public is often asked through opinion polls what is their opinion of also highly contested topics or certain policies uh, without having the necessary background uh, information to be able to make an informed, to have an informed opinion. Uh, so um, the method itself tries to basically uh, create an environment in which one would have an insight into the opinion of the public, had the public uh, been informed properly. And what do I mean by here by properly? I mean that one of the elements that you didn't mention, which are essential to the, to the process, is that the public not only deliberates, but uh, the sample that uh, with whom we interact more closely over a couple of days directly, is given uh, briefing materials on a certain mm -hmm. topic, uh, outlining the advantages and disadvantages of certain policy reforms. The, the, the method itself starts that every policy reform actually does have, even sometimes and even the best reforms, have mm -hmm. short-term disadvantages or costs for certain group, for certain, you have to make some, there is always a give and take. In, in a certain policy because but it's very difficult. Yes, yeah. they are given both sides of the arguments. Yeah. Uh, they're given the, and these documents, uh, so-called briefing materials in the, methods, in the method need to be vetted by experts who would have diametrically opposite opinions on this because there are mm -hmm. experts on, let's say now I'm uh, to simplify things at the right at the end of the political spectrum. And mm -hmm. those have, in many cases, opposing opinions about how some, some policy areas should be tackled. Yeah. And in this case, the briefing materials that are provided need to be vetted by a group of people who would say that these uh, briefing materials actually provide enough of a balanced view 
mm -hmm. of all of uh, certain policy uh, reforms and, and their expected outcomes. And let me just uh, stop you right there. Who because it's a carefully balanced exercise and you have to yes. give contra arguments right on the, yes. on the top. Yes. So who prepares the briefing materials? In most cases, uh, when we have the capacity, we prepare them in-house, but we mm -hmm. have an advisory group of five mm -hmm. to seven people that actually reviews them. And okay. we need to come at a consensus among those people, among mm -hmm. those experts, that these materials are well balanced and that so they are, provide. Yeah, there is an independent re review panel, if you will. Yes, right? there's five, there's basically five to seven reviewers. Very good. Yeah. Who uh, review these uh, these uh, materials on a specific topic? As I said, mm -hmm. it has to be very specific on a given policy, uh, and because you actually have to make uh, a table of the uh, arguments pro and arguments against, because this is the real life of the policy world. Mm -hmm. And after they are given to the audience, and they are the basis. Actually, they are given to the uh, participants, and they are the basis for the deliberations. Mm -hmm. What now, if we respect on this, going back to your own questions, what are the lessons learned is that coming to a well-balanced uh, briefing material is one of the hardest tasks mm -hmm. in this uh, in this uh, process, because this uh, brief these briefing materials actually provide the basis on which uh, the uh, experts or the organization that implements this would uh, prepare the public opinion poll because the public yeah. opinion poll is based on these briefing materials and usually contains uh, both uh, questions which relate to the knowledge, so how much there is awareness of certain policies, but also questions which are related to the attitudes because these are different mm -hmm. things that you're actually measuring or, or influencing. Um, the second lesson that we'll learn from this, from, from, these, uh, from implementing a couple of these is that actually it's much, for us, uh, experience has shown that we have been much more on very polarizing topics. We have been mm -hmm. much more apt or we have a better, higher uh, change in the opinion when it comes to knowledge mm -hmm. rather than attitudes. But, but this yeah. is our example. I mean, there's many of them. This has been implemented more than a probably now 200 times in, in, yeah. uh, in the whole world. And for example, in our case, uh, we have had situations in which we did not impact a lot the attitudes, for example, on divisive issues such as mm -hmm. um, discrimination, uh, such as social policy, language use of minorities. We were, for example, uh, less apt uh, to uh, influence the uh, um, attitude, as I said, but people gained knowledge mm -hmm. of non-discrimination policies, for example, which was very important, uh, which was very important for us. Um, the last lesson that we learned is that actually we've learned is probably one from the whole event itself, which is like the, the crown or the jewel uh, of the crown, um, is that uh, it's not every day that organizations such as ourselves, think tanks, engage so closely uh, with uh, the country gathered in one room. Because the, the, the mm -hmm. objective is that actually of that representative sample to have uh, as usually in the States, our partners say America in a room, or for us, it's basically the whole uh, society of Macedonia in a room, so that you actually manage to uh, have a link or to engage with such diverse sample from the population. For many of these people, mm. it's the first time that they also encounter the work of civil society organizations and so on. And also um, just wanted to two more uh, facts about those deliberations themselves. Uh, yeah, sure. The This is usually a group of 150 people. Mm 
in total, which works in smaller groups, 10 to 15, with the moderators of each. Uh, and uh, uh, they work first in small groups on the briefing materials discussing them. And each of these groups actually uh, decides, has to jointly decide on one or two questions that they pose to an expert panel, which takes place afterwards in plenary. So for all 150 mm -hmm. people together, each of these groups basically gets to assign a rapporteur and a um, uh, and to, to pose a question to uh, an expert panel, which also needs to be uh, representative of different views. So that even when they answer the questions, uh, when they get the questions from the expert panel, these are people that have different views on this. Yeah. So the point is that they are over these two days and prior with the briefing materials exposed to the diversity of arguments so that they can make a more informed opinion uh, down, down the road. A little of the for many of these people, it's actually the first time that they meet a politician or an expert mm. who is uh, in certain areas. So it's also very valuable for them uh, going back to what we know. Uh, great. I will just you know uh, take one of your points uh, to ask you additional questions. So uh, you have managed to influence knowledge more than attitudes, and that's uh, that's a very interesting point. So is this your experience from? All the deliberative polling cycles that you that you uh, no no this is from one of them this is from one of them on it depends it's you you can't I, I think it's very difficult for mm -hmm. um you know to be to be able to forecast what is it that you will uh you will actually uh achieve uh but uh, on uh, on some topics you know there might be even uh, withdrawal in terms of the the, the attitudes you know mm -hmm. the, the, it might be worse than before but in any case. You know, you get a more informed public, and uh, I would not be also very much fixated on the change. I mean, the change is mm -hmm. good for many of us working in think tanks so that we can analyze and so on and so forth. But the very experience of engaging in such mm -hmm. a method or for many, for this uh, sample is actually is, is of exceptional value. Also, because um, uh, the bringing the experts or the decision makers to the, to the panel helps students Notion to actually transfer some of these uh, these opinions to see what the public feels, but also we use that these um, we use some of these key findings afterwards for advocacy and policy changes. Should there be uh, very clear clear assessments, which makes which makes uh, the time that they actually these people uh, spend here more more valuable uh, in essence. Mm -hmm. Okay, excellent. Uh, uh, I had a question uh, prepared on the uh, results and impact. Of course, I do understand that the change is not the uh, the only uh, thing that we are chasing after here. Essentially, right? This is a, this is also one important point and uh, thing to know when speaking about deliberative polling. But you said that you have used results for advocacy, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, can you just explain to us, you know, uh, on whatever example uh, uh, from whatever uh, polling that you did? So. Uh, who was the targeted audience uh, for advocacy within the decision makers or community um, decision makers, whatever? And uh, how did you approach them? Did, did you uh, kind of try to explain what you did and what this method means? Or, you know, it was just this is like, the uh, public opinion poll, uh, mm -hmm. you know, research. Uh, you know, yeah. One one has to be very careful in general when using public opinion polls. Okay, of course. For for mm -hmm. advocacy, so I think this you know that's the the, the first precautionary mm -hmm. argument because people you know, usually one way say you know 
uh, it's not public polls are not the basis on which you know the policies should shift and so on and so forth but exactly. they do get a sense but this is not a traditional public poll and also for example on the uh, on the last uh, of our attempts i think in 2022 um the we did a deliberative poll on uh, options for electoral reform in the country on um, several areas and uh in this respect um uh, the one of the it was evident that there was dissatisfaction with a lot of the flaws of the current electoral model mm -hmm. across the across the poll and this is also a topic that we have been as a society, as a country, delaying for a very long time uh, in dealing with. You know, there's it's an there's a lot of pressure for electoral reforms which has not been which have not been delivered. So in this in this case, we presented the results to the key stakeholders that or the ongoing working groups of, that work on various aspects for the electoral code. Now, this mm -hmm. does not mean that they will, you know, that they will be implemented. This is a very uh, short, this has been a very long-term process. We've not seen change here, but I believe that we have added some component in uh, creating the pressure for delivery on this, on these, on these topics. And also maybe, mm -hmm. Uh, alleviated the fee, the also channeled some of the concerns of the public in this sense in uh, in the policy cycle. Now this is the uh, the one of the key elements that I see uh, possibly, but also on that specific example, we had a um, what key let's say a key element of gaining the prominence and also a sort of form of policy pressure has been the presence of uh, high political figures at our events. For example, the one on electoral mm -hmm. reform was opened by uh, the president of the country. Mm -hmm. And he himself um, expressed the need for a for support for quicker or faster changes of some of the electoral uh, regulation, which was essential to create pressure for this topic and to also mm -hmm. to acknowledge the public concerns, because this is something that is very important. But also a certain, uh, at one of our events, the first one, we had the president of the parliament actually responding okay, yeah. to the questions from the from the public, which provides you know, a direct link. We don't need to be the intermediary, actually, but it's uh, the public can convey their, uh, participants yeah. can convey their opinion directly to the decision makers. Uh -huh. Super. So you basically have involved the public in the discussion, in the agenda of the electoral reform. Yes, right. yes, we tried to give a contribution to yeah. that element. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Were you, were you the, uh, the, the only one? Was there any other, uh, you know, officially uh, used uh, channel by the government or anyone else? Oh, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of focus groups. There's a lot of work that okay. has been done. I mean, there's no outcome of it, but there yeah, is yeah, a yeah. lot of work behind the scenes, yeah. No, I see, I see. Uh, okay, uh, perfect. So let's go back from this, you know, uh, results, impact, and, uh, and so on, and the... Uh, decision makers to uh, the actual people who uh, were part of your uh, uh, part of the process so i guess that for uh, many of them this was the first time you know participating in these kind of uh, deliberations and uh, mm -hmm. uh, generally participation method right so uh, what is your can you can you just say a couple of sentences uh, about the feedback from uh, participants, or maybe there was someone, maybe there was another NGO, maybe from uh, not Macedonia that helped you in this or not. It doesn't matter. But do you have, uh, you know, a general, you know, impression of their feedback? How they felt, you know, doing mm -hmm. that 
in, uh, uh, in that yeah. Uh, position. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's uh, after the event themselves, there's actually evaluation forms that are okay. also mandatory yeah. as part of the process. The feedback has always been very positive. Uh, okay. I mean, the, the we try to to make it a pleasant, ple yeah. most of a pleasant experience as it could be, but. Uh, we also get a lot of anecdotal. Uh, we get we get a lot of anecdotal mm -hmm. feedback. I think I mentioned that for many of them, they try to emphasize that this that they've never been asked, yeah, uh, on, you know, by anyone, what do they think? They've never had an opportunity to engage with, with uh, many of these experts or decision makers. Unfortunately, uh, in our um, legislative system, the way that we elect also MPs is not very, MPs are not very connected to their constituency. Mm -hmm. So um, the the electoral lists uh, are a bit shaped at the, at the central level and uh, at uh, supported by the party. So it's not that, you know, you don't have a very representative role of any of the, of these uh, of these institutions. So I think in this sense, uh, this uh, connection to the policy processes is, is essential. Mm -hmm. And uh, the second element that has been very valued is actually uh, the providing an opportunity for exchange with different, uh, for, for people from different backgrounds, because, you mm -hmm. know, this is also a pretty divided country, East and, East and West, you know, we have language barriers and so on. And uh, we provide sort of in a, in a form for exchange, which is not their usual everyday life, which I think also contributes to fighting stereotypes and uh, down the road to more understanding between the communities. Okay, uh, so you mentioned uh, at some point uh, they, they felt the, the sense of involvement, so they've been asked, right? And they, yeah. uh, uh, nobody asks and asks them never about mm -hmm. anything. So this is important, but the, does that mean as well that they uh, felt it was uh, meaningful? We can hear, you know, uh, lots of comments these days in Serbia and here in the region how people don't want to participate because it's a void, it's empty, it's empty of meaning, of essence, it's just a formal participation, right? And then ends uh, ends up with nothing, essentially. So this means basically that they felt they're actually contributing at least to the, you know, to the discussion, if not well, to, if you get, to, to if shaping judge, the decision, right? If you judge the, by the general evaluation, yes, because yeah. there's okay. also direct contact uh, mm -hmm. with the decision makers, which is very uh, important. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think they also appreciate the fact that they were given different arguments uh, okay. because uh, it's uh, this is a this is an exercise which aims to involve the whole of uh, the whole of society. Okay, it seems to me that uh, in this whole, in, in that whole process, it, it is important to make you know uh, uh, relationships with people essentially, if you like. Absolutely, <laughs> no, no, absolutely, and I think the the um, there's two other elements that we we should have probably mentioned. Uh, one is the, the perception of the organization that is actually implementing mm -hmm. it. it. It needs to be seen as an impartial organization because, okay. uh, yeah, yeah there's, you know, this builds the legitimacy and also probably also the donor, you know, for example, uh, on our, uh, we had a very polarizing situation for our first, uh, deliberative poll in the country, which was after the changes and after the change of the government in 2015. 17 and it actually helped very much that that first poll was uh, was uh, supported by swiss assistants because the swiss are generally uh -huh. seen as this uh, you yes. know impartial container, yes impartial yeah. and i think that that kind of mm -hmm. helped yeah. yeah okay very good uh now 
Last question from my side, and uh, please feel free to add anything that perhaps is important for this discussion and we didn't mention. So uh, in theory, the Liberty polling sounds wonderful. I mean, not in theory, but when you speak about it, right? So uh, it's interesting. It uh, looks like it uh, has, you know, uh, implementing in, it has meaning. So people are uh, really involved. Uh, relationships are created. Uh, you uh, contribute to uh, education of the public, right? And also try to, uh, you know, exercise some influence on the your surrounding, the decision in your uh, community, country, uh, whatever. So, but what would you say uh, is the key precondition, or maybe there is no one, or uh, and the resource needed for an organization to do something like that? It seems to me that uh, uh a lot of resources are employed to uh, implement one yes. cycle. Yes, so, it's, a, yeah. it's, a big, uh, it's a big exercise. Um, it's frightening at times. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I think that uh, for us, uh, the first time was very difficult. Uh, we also reached out to one of the, we should have mentioned that the moderators that work with the small groups are mm -hmm. actually experienced civil society representatives. Okay. Uh, and we've had the fortune, for example, to um, to engage with them all three times. We've practically managed to maintain nine out of ten of them, which means that mm. they find it also of value. But the main link to the groups actually are the moderators themselves. So you need a lot of this group of skilled people that, just as you say, can build relationships because they are their mm. guide over these two 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 yeah. days. Um, it's um, it's very it's consuming. Uh, it's uh, it takes a lot of uh, preparation. Uh, the including the, uh, the there's a lot of logistics uh, involved because you actually get people from all around the country for two days. You get 150 people internally in our organization. We call it the wedding because it's, it's very <laughs> much like planning a wedding. Yes. But for but yeah. Um, and it's uh, a sort of a very difficult team building exercise it's a, for it's us. A wedding where you don't know what will actually happen. No, so. you have no idea what will actually happen. It's very stressful yeah. for the two days. But then it's also very rewarding when people leave and they say thank you, and you know they've been uh, very they mm -hmm. they tell you what they have uh, what they have learned. But it's a process. I think that uh, it's not a project. I, I would recommend, you know, the first. I, I don't think it's a project that you can do or an or an event that you can plan with less than eighteen months. Actually, mm -hmm. to do all of the all of the materials. You need a big group. You need a lot of expert support in you actually. And, uh -huh. um, so you so you say that on average, your estimation is that it takes around eighteen months, year and a half, to uh, to do the entire cycle planning. To... Yes, at least. Yes. At least, yes, okay. at least, yeah. definitely, because I mean, in a year, it's very tight because you need a couple of months mm. to do the briefing materials. Then you have the mm. poll. It's also very important not to have a poll, the poll, at the moment when it's very polarizing in the country. Okay. I would not recommend it having it, you know, during election time, election cycle, during yeah. when the, when there's election cycles, because you you know they would be the, during campaigns because this is not okay. the best time to be actually discussing of these course. issues. So it also there's a lot of planning that needs to be done yes. about when would be when would it be the best to actually have it. I think Absolutely. the timing is very important. Okay. Uh, but uh, also to have enough of a you know to have a reliable agency that can do that poll, the representative mm -hmm. poll, because it's also one of the key elements. So uh, uh, did you do uh, deliberate polling during uh, the, the 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 Corona pandemic times or? No, no? Uh, we were lucky actually that year. No. Okay. No. Uh, uh, 
Very good. Thank you, Samira. A lot of things to be, uh, you know, mindful about and, th and to think about when only thinking about thinking about preparing, you know, yeah. let alone uh, let alone uh, implementation. I guess, I mean, this just comes to my mind, uh, maybe in some, uh, maybe in the future, uh, you uh, you guys in Epic can do for the rest of us uh, within the Think for Europe network, some sort of a, not necessarily training, but uh, lessons learned, experience uh, session for uh, all of us who are interested in pursuing it. It's, uh, it, does, it, it really uh, looks like something that is uh, useful to do. However, you know, if all preconditions are uh, met and uh, we could hear uh, uh, very important uh, key, uh, let's say keywords such as, you know, timing, impartiality, who is the donor, who is the implementing yeah. opinion yeah. poll, etc., uh, etc. Et the, the list is uh, pretty long. Um, Okay, I think it's uh, definitely enough as a uh, food for thought, as a teaser for everyone who is listening to us and wants to know uh, more about uh, the deliberative polling. As uh, Simonita mentioned, it's a method that is uh, um, designed by the Stanford University, right? So yeah. uh, a lot of information can be uh, uh, found online on this, uh, uh, of course, at the Stanford University website, I guess. So. Uh, Yes, um, there's a full link there with all of the polls that I did. And I think it's probably, it used to be 180. I've not checked, but now it's probably more than 200. So it's even growing in numbers. Very good. Yes, it is. And it's actually in some countries, I think, if not, they've not changed it in Mongolia. It's actually mandatory to do before constitutional change for broader outreach to the public. Of the okay, really. Well, that's an advanced example, actually. Yes. Okay. Yes. And the government, and I guess that the government does it uh, on its own. We don't resource it. Yes. Right? Yes. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Well. There are some examples to uh, you know uh, to look to look at <laughs> outside our regular uh, scanner. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Definitely. Thank you, Simonida, once again for joining. It was really a pleasure. I highly appreciate all the contributions on this topic. Uh, I uh, know a lot more than I did. Thank uh, you. Thank you for uh, uh, all of you who were uh, listening. For more information, of course, on the work of Think for Europe, European Policy Institute, and uh, Weber, please uh, visit our websites in the description of this uh, podcast. Uh, Simonita, thank you again. Until the next time. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>